Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Well, good evening. If you could open up your uh, love books to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to start a new book. There were a few, several books that I, um, I had a choice to choose from. And this is the one I finally settled on. It's an exciting book because it talks about Jesus coming back, which we're all waiting for. And as you can see up there on the screen, living with, in view of the finish line. How important is it to always keep the finish line in our sights? If you don't, and you look down or you look to the left or to the right, you can get off course. You can run longer than you have to run. But if your eyes are on the finish line, you're focused, you have a determination, you have a motivation. I think a lot of times as believers in Christ, we lose our focus, which is easy to do with the world the way it is and how crazy our lives can be sometimes. But we always have to regain our focus. It's very important. One of the things as we study 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, we'll be covering things uh, as your future hope. Did you know you have a future hope? There is hope in your future in Jesus Christ. The world, unfortunately, can't say this till they come to Christ. There's no, the world is full or lacks hope. It lacks hope. From young people to older people, they're losing hope in a world that's gone mad. One of the things as we go through Thessalonians, your witnessing should become stronger as you regain a focus. Driving here tonight, I was thinking that there's more people outside the church right now that are in, than are in the church. And we can apply it in a general sense or just right now. There's more cars driving by right now than there are people in this church. They don't know what's going on in here right now. Well, one of the things that God has called you and I to do is leave the walls of this church and get out there and show them what's going on. Hopefully we do that in our daily lives, in our workplace, in our families, in our neighborhoods, where people are, get a vision of who we are. They see who we are. That we're different from the regular cut of people because of the Jesus that's in us. Our walk should get stronger as a result of being in uh, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. It should be a renewal. It should be a, an a spiritual adrenaline shot for you. Because we have to remember that Paul's letter to the Thessalonians is believed to be his first letter. Some people think it might be Galatians, but a lot of the uh, uh, evidence is that 1 Thessalonians was his first letter. 
to a church. And we're going to look at that church a little bit tonight. Fourthly, it should bring you comfort. It should be, bring you comfort for things that you might be going through. You might be going through that right now. Prayed about a friend who lost a friend. You know, a couple people we had prayed for tonight that lost loved ones. So comfort in those things that people go through, whether it be sickness or um, any kind of tragedy. And finally, these letters should give us more stability in our faith, in our walk with the Lord. And boy, can't we use more stability in an unstable world. What I'd like to do before we actually get into the uh, text tonight is try to give you a little background to try to be in Paul's shoes. And uh, this map right here is showing his second missionary journey. Paul was a wild man. He was a wild man. When you think about his mode of travel, which was basically on foot or a mule or maybe a horse if he was lucky, but the distances he traveled, this missionary journey that we're looking at tonight starts down here and notice where he's traveling. And remember the distance here. You see the scale of miles here. This is 200 miles, but just check this out. Just the distance he's going. And then he comes into this area here and, and he's going to take a, a boat or a ship and he's going to go across to Philippi. One of the things in my study as he passed one of these islands here was pretty cool, was, was one of the islands where they built a Trojan horse. The Greeks built a Trojan horse on one of those islands. So we see Paul up here as he goes to Philippi. He'll end up going to... Thessalonica and to Berea, and then he'll come all the way down to Corinth before he heads back on his journey back to this area here. So, Paul, if we look at the first verse, Paul, Silvanius, Silvanius' name was also Silas. So, Silas and Silvanius are the same person, and Timothy. These, this was the traveling group. Now, one of the things, I'm just going to hit it a couple times in the next slide. One of the things that happens as Paul is traveling and he hits Philippi, he's bringing the word of God to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Okay, so he's always trying to go into the synagogue when he gets there to speak to the Jews. Then he'll go into the streets, he'll go down by the water, he'll go down by the lakes, he'll go wherever people are to try to share the gospel. Well, he gets arrested, he gets thrown in prison with Silas, also known as Silvanus. And here's a, a picture of the two, Silas and Paul, in a prison in Philippi. Now, I'm going to read you a little excerpt from The Life of Paul by John Pollock because I want you to get a taste. Sometimes we lose sight, we lose focus of what 
a person sold out for Jesus Christ could go through. When they were in Philippi, on their way to Thessalonica, they caused an uproar because they were talking about Jesus Christ. In an area where there were all these pagan gods, remember this was uh, greatly influenced by Rome and Greece. So there was a lot of false gods. So now Paul comes in and talks about the one true God who came to this earth, who grew up, who went to the cross for man's sins. He was buried and three days later he rose from the dead and he's alive. Some people believed, some didn't believe. Well, there was a group of people that were really upset and they caused a ruckus and they got these two guys and they brought them to the magistrates. Well, without any trial, they beat them, they whip them. And this is what I'm going to read right now. As the blood spurted from the cuts, the crowd roared. When a savage blow caught a vertebrae and even a tough, a tough apostle could not suppress a cry, the people loved it. Paul and Silas fought the pain with prayer. The lictors, urged on by the crowd, swung their rod with a will until both backs were bloody. The blows burnt like fire, writes modern martyr Pastor Richard Wommerbrand, who suffered rods frequently in communist prisons. It was as if your back were being grilled by a furnace, and the shock to the nervous system was great. And then after they did this, they would drag them to the prison and a lot of times they would hook the guys up and stretch them out so all the raw cuts on their back would be stretched and just hurt even more. But to Paul and Silas, what they did is they just locked them in these fetters. But you have to understand, they didn't have any clothes on when they were whipped, when they were dragged. Their clothes were thrown, on, thrown to them and they had to try to cover themselves in this damp, cold prison they couldn't lie down on their backs because of the pain. So it wasn't an easy thing. So this is very important because from Philippi, they're going to go to Thessalonica. Here is a picture of um, Thessalonica today. These are some of the ruins. And as you can see, people are visiting. And in the background, you see some of the um, uh, current buildings, but you also see a lot of the forum in this area. Here's an amphitheater that's in Thessalonica. Uh, here's right off the port, right off the water. Uh, you can see another uh, picture. Here is uh, a picture on the hill. As you saw back in the, let me go back to the other picture so you get used to this a little bit. Right here, it's tucked away right here in this port. So you can imagine how beautiful it must be as you come into the port and you can see what this drawing is, what it might have looked like. Up on the hill, a beautiful city, right on the water. Here's a picture of modern Thessalonica today. Back in Paul's day, there's about 200,000 people that lived in Thessalonica. Today, there's about 300,000. And the church that Paul founded there is still there today and it's still active today in a region that is uh, very um, Muslim. Okay, but you can see how beautiful that is right there. 
Here's a picture of um, Philippi right here. So remember, we saw him coming from the ship to Philippi. And now the distance from Philippi to Thessalonica, notice the terrain, is about 100 miles. Okay? It's about 100 miles. And the Romans have a road that goes um, along all this way, all the way over to Rome. And you can see with this picture here, again, Thessalonica, Paul's travels. You can see from Thessalonica to Corinth, where Paul will go from from Thessalonica. We're going to see that he was chased out of Thessalonica. We'll get into that a little bit tonight. And he goes to Berea, right? We have the Berean room here for the young adults. That's where he went, Berea, and then he comes all the way down to Corinth, right in here. And notice that distance is 400 miles by sea and 300 miles by land. And the next picture is Paul's mission. It lasted about three years. He covered 2,700 miles. Again, that's not today's travel. And you can see again where we started here. Came across went up into Macedonia, which is where Thessalonica is, and then he traveled down to Athens and Corinth. Another thing from Thessalonica on a clear day, you could see Mount Olympus, where Zeus was supposed to live. So just think of that, the idols, the, the, the gods that these people had. This is the road Okay, this is the road here that you can visit today. Okay, the Ignatian Road. This is a stone that they found. The Ignatian Road that went all the way through the areas Paul was. I mean, tremendous distances. And here's a picture of that road, part of that road today. Goes over water. That road goes over water. So that's how they... Kept going. Now, that road that I'm showing you stretches from here. This is like Istanbul. Look at how it goes. All the way across Thessalonica goes. All right? And eventually, of course, the way Paul will eventually travel, one day he'll end up in Rome. What I'd like you to do before we jump into Thessalonians is I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Acts 17, and we're going to verses 1 through 9. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Notice what Paul did, and it's what we should be doing when we're having a discussion with anyone, is to reason with them from the Scriptures. That's the truth. You don't have to debate out of your own mind. You just want to know God's Word as you talk to other people. Verse 3, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, 
and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Okay, we can flip back to 1 Thessalonians. Now, one of the things that Paul is always preaching throughout all his letters is that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. To the Jews, that's a stumbling block because they were looking for a conquering king. They couldn't fathom in their writings where there was a king who was going to conquer, but yet there was going to, or a Messiah who was going to conquer, but also a Messiah that was going to suffer. Second thing Paul always brought out was that Jesus is that promised Messiah. And thirdly, Jesus is the king who will return and rule on earth. So this was something he always tried to get across to everybody that he preached to. Thessalonica, it was founded in 315 BC by General Cassander. Now, General Cassander named it after his wife, Thessaloniki, or Nike. And that's where the name uh, Thessalonians come from. She was Alexander the Great's stepsister, who General Cassander married. Now, uh, Philip, who they named Philippi after, was the father of Alexander the Great. These, this epistle of the Thessalonians is, talks about the end times. It gives us that future hope. Besides doctrine, basic doctrine that are fundamental to our faith. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, there's 89 verses and 23 of those 89 verses, about 26% of the book, talks about the future coming of Christ. Now, as we jump in to 1 Thessalonians, understand this was written to a church that Paul started in Thessalonica after he came from Philippi after being beaten, and then he had to walk 100 miles. So he's coming into Thessalonica, a wounded man, along with Silvanus, also known as Silas. Timothy stays in Philippi. He joins them later. So as we see it, starting off in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... 
to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word church means called out. They're called out. Did you know you're called out? You're called out to be different than the whole world. The church is not a building, okay? You are the church. The church is made up of individuals who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I'm looking at a lot of churches out there, a lot of people who represent the church. You're the stones that God is building into his church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You're here tonight, hopefully with the purpose of getting into God's word, learning it, and allowing God through his Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. And as long as we're walking on this earth, that never stops. You can never be too old to be constantly changed by the Lord. And notice here, the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a duality there where God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ are equal. It's together. They're one. That's very important to see that in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see right here the two of the persons in the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son. And a few verses down, we're going to see God, the Holy Spirit. This is one of the books that's criticized that the word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. Well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible either, but yet we're showing you right now there's God the Father, God the Son, and pretty soon we're going to see God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the songs uh, Pastor Paul chose tonight had those words in it. We sang them a few times. Grace and peace. The Siamese twins of Paul. He loved using those two terms. Grace always comes before peace. Grace simply means God's unmerited favor. There's nothing you or I could do it to earn his grace. There's nothing we can do. If Paul swam those 400 or 300 miles, wouldn't increase any of the grace that God bestowed on him. There's nothing you and I can do to earn God's grace. It's unmerited favor bestowed on you. An acronym for grace that I really love is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And he pours on you and me those riches but it came at a very, very severe price, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Salvation, when you receive Jesus into your heart, that's a tremendous uh, evidence of God's grace on you, that your eyes have been opened to receive his grace, that you see, oh, I get it now, I get it. Once you receive salvation, then you can get God's peace. You see, before you were a believer, you were at war with God. We all were before we received Jesus. 
There was no peace. There was a war going on between our spirit and God's Holy Spirit. But then He shed His grace on you. Your eyes were opened. You became born again. Your spirit went from death to life. And you had a peace in your heart that only reigns because Jesus is there in the presence of His Holy Spirit. The world today doesn't know peace. They haven't known peace for thousands of years until they find the Prince of Peace. Doesn't matter who's president, doesn't matter how many uh, peace accords there are, there's never going to be peace in this world until Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne in Israel. Then there'll be peace on earth and goodwill to men. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. I don't think South Carolina was around then, but we give thanks to God always for you all. You know, I asked Mac, is there a plural? Mac is from the South. Most of you know who Mac is. And I said, is there a plural for you all? And he said, yes. I said, what is it? He goes, all you all. It's a Southern joke. Um, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Do we do that enough? Do we thank God for each other that's here tonight? Do we mention to God, you by name? Do we bring it before the Lord? Do we intercede for each other? I think one of the things Paul really understood is the importance of giving thanks to God always. Not once in a while, but always. For the people in your life that are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, throughout the world right now, wherever there might be a church meeting, there's a believers, brothers, our brothers and sisters who we might not meet, probably won't meet till we're in heaven with them. But how about the people that God has put in our path at this time in our life? Do we thank God for each other? Do we pray? I can be honest and say not enough. I don't do it enough. I can do it a lot more. That's one of the things that hit me as I was reading this um, or these verses. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Now, one of the things I failed to mention is that after Paul left Philippi and he went to Thessalonica, he was there for maybe two or three months. We know he was in the synagogue for three consecutive Sabbaths. But we also know he spent time with the Gentiles. So they estimate maybe two or three months he was in Thessalonica. But then those wild guys from, uh, that were stirring up the trouble in Philippi followed him to Thessalonica and got him in trouble there again. And, they found, and Paul saw that it was also having repercussions on the new believers in Thessalonica. So he left. And that's when he started traveling down to Berea. 
Then he ends up in Corinth and Timothy comes to him in Corinth and says, hey, Paul, the people in Thessalonica, the believers, our brothers and sisters in the Lord are doing awesome. In the midst of persecution, they're keeping the faith, they're running the race. So Paul, what he does now is he writes this letter to the believers in Thessalonica as an encouragement and as a teaching. So he's saying to them, remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Now notice back in three, your work of faith. Your work of faith. Think about today, if there was anything in your uh, life today that took a step of faith. Anything. Well, guess what? That was a work of faith. It was something that stretched you. Maybe it was something you said to a friend, a stranger, a co-worker that put Jesus out there. You took a step of faith. You didn't know how they were going to react to it. You know, some of us went to that row clean home. Some of you brought in items for the row clean home. That was a work of faith. We took a step of faith. We went out there to see what the Lord was going to do to these dear people. Labor of love. Think of that word labor. You don't associate it with love all the time. Well, a mom knows what a labor of love is when she's giving birth to her children. Right, ladies? That was a labor of love. But what about labor of love? What is that saying? Well, here's Paul, who the people in Thessalonica knew that him and Silas were whipped and beaten and and sore, scarred for life. Yet they loved the Thessalonians so much that they traveled that hundred miles from Philippi, yet alone where they came from originally, from their homes, to share with them the greatest news ever, that Jesus Christ died for their sins, rose from the dead, and is coming back. And some believed and some didn't. What a labor of love that was. So as we move on here, think of things. Don't always think that love or relationships are going to be easy. Sometimes they have to be worked at, don't they? It's a labor. And that labor, that word labor broken down is exhaustion. Work until you can't do it anymore. To the point of exhaustion, you just don't have the energy anymore. How are we doing in that area? And I know as I directed it myself, boy, I can go a lot deeper than I'm going right now. And I just pray that the Lord, for you and I, will build that in us so that we can do that according to God's will. And then, patience of hope. The patience of hope. Think of things that you hope for or that you're hoping for. And how much patience 
develops as you're waiting for that thing to come. You wouldn't need any patience if you got it immediately, would you? You wouldn't need any hope. It's here. But what is it that's in your life that you're hoping for that, boy, your patience is being tested? It could be the salvation of a loved one. It could be a sickness. It could be a passing of a loved one. It could be waiting for Jesus coming back. It could be many of the, any of these things or more. But notice where our work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope needs to be centered. Not in our feelings or in one another, but as it says here in verse 3, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. It's got to be in God. Has to be. Are we doing things for ourselves so we look good to want to someone else? Or are we doing it for Jesus Christ and for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Like, who do we want to get the credit? It shouldn't be us. We're crucified with Christ. It's no longer you and I that live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And He should be getting the glory, not us. Verse 4, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. You've been chosen by God. Some people say, well, that's not fair. And my question is, well, why isn't fair? He goes, well, how do I know if I'm elected? Well, just receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're elected. So if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're elected. Now, how about those people that are driving by and we meet them one day? Are they elected? Well, if they receive Jesus Christ, yes. If they don't, no. But again, how do we know the day and the hour when that person is going to come to Christ? You and I are like those people, the, the uh, farmers who throw the seed out in the field. We just throw the seed. We just give God's word. We just show his love. We just give the gospel. Do we know if it's going to take root? And grow? That's not our concern. God causes the growth. We just need to throw the seed. We just need to put love on people. We just need to give them the good news. Give them the hope that we have, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They knew these guys. They broke bread with them. They saw them walking gingerly because of the stripes on their back. But yet they knew the fire, the passion in their heart because of the presence of God's Holy Spirit in them, that they would leave their homes to go to a strange land to give the gospel to people that they didn't know the day before. But it was in giving God's word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens in this church from this pulpit without God's Holy Spirit 
breathing life into the words and into you. It's God's Holy Spirit that causes things to happen. And we give God all the glory for that. Verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. When Paul and Silas were in the Philippi prison, one of the things that happened was, remember, they were sore. They couldn't move, or very little, because their feet were locked down. They were in that jail overnight. They had to go to the bathroom. There weren't outhouses. They had to go where they were. Remember how cold and damp it was. But during that night, they were praying and they started singing. And they broke out in a worship. And the, and the worship was heard by some pagan prisoners and by the guard. And that's the night that it was that earthquake. And that's when the jailer thought they escaped, if you know the story. And they came back and they were there. And what happens as a result, the jailer was afraid that he was going to lose his life and his family's life because the prisoners escaped. Well, they didn't go anywhere. And what happens is the jailer and his family end up getting saved and baptized as a result of the beating of these guys in Philippi. So what man and Satan meant for evil, God turned into good. And these men were given the strength by God's Holy Spirit, to sing and to be witnesses that had an influence on other people. They saw there was something different about these people, what they went through. How many people could do that? How many people would break out in song and praise God when they've lost flesh and blood? Something was different about these guys, and it was God in them who brought the hope of glory to all the people around them. It was infectious. It spread. And now the Thessalonians who received the Lord, even there, though they're going through the persecution that's alluded to in verse 6, they're doing it with joy of the Holy Spirit. It's not joy they conjure up on themselves. You and I cannot make it through this world on our own. We can only do it in Jesus Christ. And he's chosen us from the world because he loves you for who you are. Not of anything you've done or not done. He just loves you. Period. It's part of his grace. His unconditional love. Verse 7, So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. And I just want to encourage everybody, including myself, not everybody is going to believe. And for us to see people who believe the gospel, the good news, that's a work of God's Holy Spirit. If there's anything happening tonight, that's a work of God's Holy Spirit. By faith, we come up here and, and teach His Word and preach His Word. But it's up to God to grab your hearts. Are you open to yielding? There was the song tonight to just surrender. Are you willing to surrender to allow Jesus Christ to do his thing in your life? And what is it that you might be holding back? 
from that absolute surrender that he would love you to do so he can really get going in your life. Verse 8, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Oh my goodness, as pastors, how cool is it when we see God just working in you and you're just infectious with God's spirit. And we don't have to say anything. You're just, it's God just working in you. It's like, it's awesome. It's just awesome to see things that go on. Whatever it may be, whether it's working with the little children, whether it's going to the homeless, whether it's just helping around the church, whatever it is that God calls you to do and you do it with a smile and with, with enthusiasm and passion. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. That's not a people thing. People don't do those things. It's God's hand in, on you and His Holy Spirit in you. So here's Paul just psyched and just uh, encouraging them that, you know, the word of the Lord has sounded forth in your actions, you Thessalonians. We don't even have to say anything. It's obvious just by who you are. You're a walking gospel. You're an imitator of Jesus and us by just what you're doing and you're infectious. You're touching a dying world. That same world that was dying back then is dying now. Those people are long gone either into heaven or to hell. We have that opportunity while we're on this earth at this time to be infectious in a, in a spiritual way to the people that God brings in our path. Verse 9, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve, to serve the living and true God. They declared what manner of entry we had to you. They knew how Paul and Silas Timothy came to them. They knew. They saw the stripes on Paul and Sylvanius. They saw this. But they also saw that power of God's Spirit to bring a message in spite of future persecution and possibly death. It didn't stop them. See, the world cannot stop a man or a woman who's on fire in Jesus Christ. Can't do it. Never has. Never has. They killed our Lord and Savior. He rose from the dead, but look at the impact He still has today in your life, in my life, in the world. And notice, again, remember the Roman and Greek influence. The gods that they had that they turned from. There was the sex god. There was the drinking god. You know, there was the uh, uh, god where they, um, they would get rid of the unwanted babies. Boy, we have those gods today, don't we? We have those idols today that people serve. Think of all the things that are going on sexually in our world today that's outside of the biblical covenant of marriage. Think of that. It's crazy. 
Think of the drinking that goes on, the drugging that goes on, the vaping that goes on. Everything to take people's minds off of Jesus Christ, to be in an altered state. So they, they're not influenced by God's Holy Spirit. But these people heard God's word, it was preached, and they turned to God from their idols to serve not the stone gods, but the living and true God. Jesus Christ is alive. He's living and active. He's living and active in all you who believe in him. If you're here tonight and you don't believe in him, he's living and active and trying to open up your eyes. What's holding you back? In verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. In closing here tonight, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Now, as we saw the Trinity tonight, God the Father, God the Son, and I think the first time we saw the Holy Spirit was in verse 5. But notice how Paul is closing the first chapter. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Different parts of the New Testament talks about God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Three persons, one God. The Trinity. He raised Him from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. We live in a society today that it seems the consequences for actions are becoming watered down. But there is a wrath that's coming and Paul is writing this to a young, immature church. So many people, or so many churches, I'm sorry, so many churches are afraid to go into prophecy. Well, praise God, I thank God for this church, that we hit all the books. We hit all the prophetical books. Pastor Joe's in Isaiah right now. We're almost through Revelation with the teenagers. Some churches won't even touch these books. But these are the books that God has given us so we keep our eyes focused. We keep waiting for our future hope, which is Jesus Christ. And I have great news for everybody here. If you're in Christ, you're not going to come under that wrath that is mentioned here in 10. That wrath is talking about the tribulation. That wrath is talking about God's final judgment in the lake of fire one day that you can read about in Revelation 20. We've been delivered. We've been taken out of that wrath. And one of the words in here talks about us always uh, looking up, always being ready, always being set for Jesus coming back. Remember, there's nothing that has to take place uh, in those scriptures to be fulfilled for God's rapture to take his church to meet him in the air. It can happen at any second can happen. Are we ready? Are we focused on Jesus Christ? Or do we need to refocus on him? Just want to encourage you, and I was thinking about this driving here when uh, the different pastors teach or, or uh, the elders teach. Try to read that chapter that they taught a few times. Don't let it go so quick. 
Don't wait till Wednesday or Sunday, but read over a couple times um, 1 Thessalonians. Read the chapters that Pastor Joe's going over in um, on Sundays, or Pastor Paul when he's, he just finished the Proverbs. You know, cover these things. Read it for yourself so God can show you what he's trying to let you know, because he knows where you are right now at this point in your life. Not only spiritually, but physically, mentally, the whole thing. He's our God. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Every time I